Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network, and we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning in to our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that we can reach more people. Thanks so much. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie, and we are so excited to dish and spill some tea with you today. So today we're talking about our favorite episodes of Outlander because we just love Outlander and we like talking about it. And this Troutlander has been so long. It has. The drought is killing me. And I mean, I've been watching reruns of Outlander just to hold myself over, holding on to like any BTS photos that I can and just trying to keep the love that I have for the show alive in my yeah. soul. Yeah. I mean, the drought is it's, it's serious and we're thirsty. It's we very real. Are thirsty. Yeah. It was really fun to kind of rewatch some favorite episodes in the last week and just kind of remember, because a lot of times I try to fill the outlander void with a bunch of other shows, which you kind of have to do. You can't just rewatch outlander over and over. That might be blasphemy to some outlander fans, but you know, it was nice. I hadn't watched any outlander episodes in a while. Like I can't even think. And then I watched my favorite. I watched your favorite. And then of course I had to watch a few other ones because, you know, Jamie Nikilt, once you just, once you start, you can't stop at all. I get it. Yeah. Just the knees you got, you're like, I just, I need to see those knees. I don't care how much mud they have on them. Um, okay. So I'm very excited about Katrina Balfe's new movie she has coming out. She's starring opposite of Jamie Dornan in Judy Dench, and it's called Belfast. This movie is supposed to take place in the 1960s, and you said it's coming out this year, right? Yeah, 2021. That's exciting. I love seeing Katrina Balfe in different roles, like in Ford versus Ferrari. She was amazing. She plays Jamie Dornan's wife in this movie. She's just like, I don't want her to get typecasted, but she's just like, that elegant, you know, that beautiful wife that like everybody wishes that they could be like, that's, she's just a dream in that type of role. So it'll be interesting to see her play opposite of him. I don't know how tall he is. You can also look that (laughs) up on um, IMDb. (laughs) We'll say, I mean, see how much taller she looks than him because we're used to her being with, we're used to her being with Jamie and he's is six, three. And let me look up how that's good height. That's really good height. Yes. That's stand on your tippy toes for a kiss height. Mm-hmm. She's like 5'11". She's 5'10". 5'10"? <laughs> yeah, she's 5'10". But, you know, she with heels. She has that model height. Yeah, she has that model with height. With heels. Like, the, you know, if she wears like three inch heels, she's six foot one. Mm-hmm. So let's see how tall Jamie Dornan is because um, he's, okay. Jamie Dornan's 5'11". Oh, this is going to be so, good. Yeah. So they better put him in some platforms. I yeah. mean, I don't know where he's like standing on like one of those Apple boxes. Oh, like some heavy Doc Martens. Yeah. <laughs> some really thick soled shoes. Cause I didn't think he was that tall. So that'll be interesting to see. I remember seeing him as the sheriff in once upon a time. Yes. Thinking he was a tall drink of water. Yeah. And he's just he's average height. Lanky. Yeah. Yeah. He he's did a good job. Skinny. So maybe because he's like a little bit on the lankier side, he looks taller than he is, but I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll see. Cause she's just this beautiful swan. I mean, obviously I'm biased because I love her so much, right? but um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's weird. The things that us fans like think about, we're like, how's that going to work? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll see. It's the same way casting directors make it work. Yeah. Yeah. They make it work. Yeah. Um, but also, okay. So Sam has a new movie too, and it's already wrapped production text for you. And he stars opposite of Priyanka Chopra Jonas and Celine Dion is in this film. There's no release dates that I could find, but I'm excited because I think she's more my height. I think she's in between my height, five, four and your height, five, seven. Okay. So I think she's like, maybe like five, five or five, six. I just want to say, <laughs> I know this is odd, but I just want to see him with like a, my height person. Oh yeah. How tall he actually is so that I can just, you know, get more excited. And know. my secret shame when it comes to heights is I only see people in their character height you know, from formats Disney. <laughs> from Disney. I've worked at Disney for so long that I only see folks in their character profiles. As no, I as, love it. I love yeah. it. When they're like, Oh, they're mouse height. Or yeah. that's, you know, that's Tinkerbell or whatever. Or yeah, what height I am I like, again? Yeah. You're monk height. Chipmunk. I'm a chipmunk height. And what's your yeah. height? Are you princess? I bet you're princess. Aren't you? No, I'm Mrs. Incredible height. <laughs> you're Mrs. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm the height. Than... I'm not the figure, but the height. Yeah, the height. I guess that's better than being a chipmunk. I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't um, have to wear that chipmunk costume. I don't know. But when I see a good Darth Vader height, I say, yes, please. Yes, please. And so is 6'3, is that Darth Vader height? Yes. They have a range. Oh, of... delicious. Yes. I'm probably ruining a lot of magic here, folks. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's not like babies are listening to this. Okay. I do have a question. What is Chewy height? Chewbacca. Oh, same. Same as Darth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But but when you see Darth Vader and yes. or Kylo Ren. It's very commanding. That's the thing. You can be the right height, but you have to be a certain build as well ah, to, to, okay. um, to go to safely be in these costumes. So like broad shoulders, built chest. Yeah. Yeah. I can see what you're like. I have a type. Clearly tall, dark and handsome. All right. <laughs> I need to talk to my therapist about that, but. Okay. So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. So we're talking spoilers. We're talking about shows of of Outlander that have already aired. So if you're an Outlander fan, there really shouldn't be any spoilers in this for you. But if for some reason you've been living beneath a standing stone for the past, you know, seven years, then you should probably watch the show first. Then listen. Good thing, mean. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So hands down, my favorite episode is Sassanac season one, episode one. And I don't know how you found out about Outlander, but I was, it was nap time. The kids were asleep. I was like, just, I was like, I need a show to watch. And then I saw the poster of like Claire in her blue dress. And she's like, you know, reaching. And there's like this hot guy in a kilt behind her. I'm like, this kind of looks like exactly like something I would want to watch, but I'd never heard of it. I knew nothing to just put it simply this show changed my life. I had no idea what I was in for. And so I'm going along this journey with her and you meet the main character and she has this backstory. It's very interesting. Her backstory probably has enough in it that you could have done a whole whole show about her life before this moment. And I love that because you feel like you're walking into this very rich story she doesn't know she's about to walk into the most life-changing experience of her existence. And I think that's why it's my favorite because I was in the same boat as Claire. I had no idea what was coming. How did you first hear about the show? 
I first heard about it through Melinda. Hi, who Melinda. Was, hi, Melinda. Yeah. <laughs> she was actually overseas getting her master's at the University of Glasgow with the time difference. I was like, hey, I hate to keep you up, but like, I miss my friend and I want to know what shows you're watching because I need something new on Netflix to watch. And she's like, well, it's not on Netflix, but if you're up for a good show that has a book series, this show on stars yeah. is really good. And she was reading the books before she was uh, watching the show. Okay. And she's like, if you're not hooked after the first episode, you can call me crazy. And wow. that is exactly how I pitched the show to all of my friends who haven't watched it yet. It's you're not hooked after the first episode. Call me. A dissertation will be had here. Yes, absolutely. I will happily give you a better thesis on the history of Outlander. So you need to watch. So I started watching it 2014 so that they only had one season out and the second season was being filmed. And yeah, it's interesting. I kind of love that I accidentally discovered it. Okay. I knew nothing. So I think this is why the first episode had such an impact on me. I always get chills during the scene where the Druids are dancing and Claire's narration of being an unwelcomed voyeur. And it's just eerie and you can't peel your eyes from the screen. So when it cuts to the next scene and Claire is sitting in the cozy, big winged back chair and she says goodbye to Frank in that casual way that like any husband and wife who are secure and happy and committed to each other would do. I think the beauty of never having read the book in that moment is that myself, just as Claire, I had no idea that this would be their last goodbye before everything changed. And it's like, you know, they were drawing out the moment and I was just in the moment and I was like, well, okay, no idea what's coming. Absolutely no idea what is coming. Then she goes to the stones and I'm like, I actually feel cold. And I'm like, she needs to pull that blanket tighter around her. Why isn't she wearing a jacket? I'm like, what's going on here? And, and then you hear all the sound and like the growling, the weird, you know, buzzing sounds from the stones. And I'm like, unknowingly wondering as she's wondering what's happening. Like not even a clue. And then the very next scene, they show her lying on the ground in the middle of the standing stones and everything is like brighter and more vivid. And I'm like, what is going on? And then, you know, she starts to walk around and the part where the first gunshot happens, I jumped. Like I literally just, I I, I literally jumped. I had no idea what was happening. And she's like, the logical mind tries to rationalize what's happening. And I am too. I'm like, is it a cinema company? Of course they wouldn't have live ammunition. I'm like asking the same questions. And then as she's walking back out of that, like hovel with all of like the McKenzie's and she's like, I knew I was no longer in the 20th century. I was like, oh shoot. I fell in love with the show because I had, it was just this new experience and I was fully immersed in it. No preconceived notions. No one had told me anything. And I was just sucked in. And then of course, you know, Jamie, we're like, we've, I like, you know, she sees Blackjack and she's like, Frank. And then you realize, okay, something's happening. But then when you see Jamie and her on the horse together and he's like covered in blood, you're like, Frank who? You completely right. forget him. <laughs> There's like, you don't think about Frank anymore. Nope. Frank, no, nope. Mm, nope. real Frank. <laughs> you're like, no, I, your ovaries immediately start like knocking like, excuse me. This, this will be kind of your husband, baby daddy, kind right citizen. Here. this is where <laughs> that <you> one <laughs> expand your um, family tree here. Let's get, you know, uh, let's get this going. And, um, you know, 
she lets them know, you know, they're all, they're riding through the hills and she sees, you know, she sees the, that mountain that Frank told her about. Mm-hmm. And she's like, there's ambushes. She gets shoved off the horse and then she runs. And my favorite part is when he's like, if you won't walk, then I'll pick you up and throw you over my shoulder. Do you want me to do that? She says, no, like so bitterly, but I'm like screaming yes at the TV. Like, of course, I literally fell in love with a bloody, dirty Jamie. And I don't know, he was just so big and manly. Like, how can you not? Like, he's just a fine specimen and also like not knowing in the moment where Claire's like cursing at him when he like has fallen off the horse, it's in the middle of the night. And then he looks at her and his like blue eyes are just like shining in the moonlight. And little did I know that's when he loved her. And he's like, thank you, Sassanap, truly. And like, how do you not swoon? And then he like, he stands up and he kind of like lean, like walks a little bit forward, like not stumbling, but kind of moves forward. And you realize like how big of a man he is. And you're like, <gasps> like sharp intake of air. And she's like, well, all right, well on your horse soldier. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I just realized that this is my favorite show in the whole world. Favorite story. I don't even know what's going to happen. I just am deciding right now, this is my favorite. And then it was, then I just proceeded to spread the gospel of Outlander <laughs> to anyone who would listen. I, after the first episode, bought the first book, read it. And then I just subsequently started reading all the other ones and telling any and every person who would listen to watch the show. Yes. I remember not just being hooked after the first episode, but wanting more immediately. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I did not have a star subscription at the time, I was like, maybe I can con my parents into <laughs> giving me their password. Like, what can I do? Here? Yeah. How do I binge this? And then I remember the second season had come out and I just drove up to my parents' place and I said, I'll clean your house. Just let me watch this. Oh yeah. <laughs> just, just don't interrupt me for like five hours straight. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. And my mom's like, okay, whatevs. Cause she still has That's cable. Hilarious. I just remember thinking like after the second season, I was like, I can't wait for the third season. Yeah. This is not okay. So yeah. I then bought the next three books and mm-hmm. just binge read. And then we met shortly after. Yeah. Did you feel like it was so trippy reading the beginning of Dragonfly and Amber? You're like, what? What they're in the 60s. She's knocking at the door. She has a child. Like what is happening? Oh, super confused. I was like, did I miss something here? Yeah. I'm like, this is which book is this? Yeah. You know, but I'm like, it clearly said it was the second book, but Diana Gabaldon just has this way of her descriptions. You're in it immediately. Yeah. You can't look away. No. And I the mean second, that book was beautifully done. Yeah. The second her a book ends from the Outlander series, you immediately want to jump into the next. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Same with a TV show, like same with the show. Yeah. It never mm-hmm. fails. They've made that transition completely seamless. Yeah. I cannot wait for Go Tell the Bees that I am gone to come out in November. Yes. I've already pre-ordered it. Yes. I mean, we're going to be like dead to the world. I mean, we'll be talking about it on the show then, but we're just nope. not going to socialize. We're Mm-mm. just we're just reading this book. Okay, so season one, Sassanac episode was a very close second of mine. Yeah, 
I, I wholeheartedly agree with your choice. What I absolutely loved about Sassanac was that it made me want more. It made me want to understand the whole story, whether it's, you know, any backstory, what's to come, et cetera. And I haven't had that kind of reaction to a show in a very long time. I, I just remember having that feeling like, oh, there's books. Oh, I should probably read these. And I haven't had that since I was a kid and read Harry Potter. Yeah. Like I only read Twilight because I needed a Harry Potter fix. I like it, it exercised my brain. It did everything it needed to do. Yeah. But when I read Outlander and the series, the book series, so much detail and research goes into this series. Mm -hmm. Diana Gabaldon does so much work. And that's why it takes a while for us to get the finished product because she's so detailed and incredibly smart and has PhDs, folks. And it just gave me a finer appreciation because there's what we love to do is figure out fan theories. And I'm just like, nope, I'm learning as we go here, folks. Oh, she, you know? I mean, when she I came up with penicillin, so much from her. yeah, I was like, well, now we know the fundamentals of penicillin. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I think I have learned so much and random facts that I'll share about things that I know. I'm like, oh, I learned that from the Outlander series. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's incredibly knowledgeable professor. Yes. So she's like teaching you through these books, but I love how they're structured. It's like these little nuclei that are just floating around each other. And then they all come together and make this thing. And you're like, what? But that's how she writes. She writes in these pieces. She's always said like, I don't write in a straight line. So she'll mm -hmm. write pieces here, figure out where they fit together. And then you're just like, your just brain explodes. You're like, what? Right. And and it's been again, a very again. long time yeah. since I've had a book series do that for me, but because she has the PhDs to back up the science that she writes about in her books, I'm just like, I'm here for the ride. I, I know. There's no point in figuring uh, yep. out any type of fan theory. I have ideas, but nothing to the scientific extent that she's taken it to. Yeah. So I'm, I'm totally in the uh, same boat as you. Like, I'm just here for it. However mm -hmm. long she takes, whatever she does, I'm going to read it. I'm going to love it and be smarter. When yeah, I'm done. Exactly. You know, you're smarter <laughs> after you read her books. Right. But how about the scene with Mrs. Graham? Did you feel like you were sitting at the table with them? I did. Scene? It wasn't just written beautifully. It was shot beautifully. Yeah. Every we're, season. Yeah. When I get that beautiful drone footage of Scotland in mm -hmm. the Highlands, I'm just like, oh, why haven't they been nominated? <laughs> like just for like any yeah. cinematic, cinematic shots, period. It, it's just, it looks stunning. Like their yeah. director of photography should get something, you know, anything. And as many times as this show has gone to the Golden Globes for actors being nominated, there's a lot that goes into this, the process of making this show, mm -hmm. um, such as scouting the locations and you know, just set design, costumes, everything. And it's just been taken to the, you know, to so many different extremes and they've nailed it every time. And it, they, they'll get their day in the sun. I'm sure. Where I hope so. Well, I'm they'll get about, all the awards. She needs to get her golden globe. Gosh, darn it. She's I been know. nominated like every year that she's been on the show. Mm -hmm. I love that she was an unknown being cast into this. And I knew nothing because you know, watching that scenes, sitting at the table with Mrs. Graham, you kind of, it's like the first time you're really, you're kind of seeing her by herself acting like just her kind of face. And you're like, 
engrossed and you see her reactions, you feel her reactions. And Mrs. Graham is like, your line is forked. And she like pronounces it. And, and Claire's like, what does this mean? It's crazy that in that moment, you're told exactly what's going to happen, but you don't know. It's interesting though, that she didn't reference it at all later, but you know, in the voiceover, she did say, Claire did say that somehow she thought that Mrs. Graham, like there was something to it, that she was right. But then they didn't really, there wasn't any moments where it would flash back to that where Right. Take a long trip, meet some strangers. One of them's your husband. And you're like, oh, you know, how could she have ever? I'm waiting for the meme that set of Mrs. Graham saying, ma'am, I told you you're going to meet this dude. And he's really hot. So I spilled the tea. (laughs) literally. And they're doing it over a good cup of oolong. Yeah. Good cup of oolong tea. Couldn't get it during the war. Right. (laughs) She spills the tea. She tells her everything. Yeah. I I loved that scene. That was such a good (laughs) (laughs) that was a good one. And the way that they filmed it, they filmed it like at table height. So you do feel like you're sitting there with them. Oh yeah. Sassanac. I don't, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen that because I've made some people watch that one with me. Same. And then I'll just watch it again. Cause it's like my comfort show that episode. I've probably like memorized it. You know, I more or less watch the seasons to scout the locations. Oh, I love that. And can say I've been there. I know where that is. I, I've touched that rock. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm very jealous. I've never been to Scotland. Julie here has, but one day we're going to go together. Yes, and we are going to go to Parkhead House and stay. Absolutely, because they are just the most adorable people ever. We're going to do the, the kindest the folks tour. in the history yes. of ever. The Gorleys are just. I already know I'm going to love them because you love them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to go do all of the things and maybe never come back. I don't know. We'll just take it one day <laughs> at a time and see what happens. We're going to retire as old ladies in Scotland. Yeah. Yep. We are going to have a cottage. And as we lose our hair, I'm like, what'd you say? Oh, you're <laughs> reading that you're reading Outlander again. Okay. Okay. So tell us about your favorite episode of Outlander. Well, I do have to say Sassanek was a very close second. Mm-hmm. I do have to give it up to my favorite episode, Journey Cake. Journey Cake. Journey Cake. And for you, those of you that don't know what Journey Cake is, that is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yes. It is episode 11 in season five. Mm-hmm. So the reason I love Journey Cake so much is because Diana Gabaldon wrote this episode, took time off from bees to write this episode. And she covered so much territory in one episode. Yeah. And about that. Yeah, no, she did it seamlessly too. And they covered so much ground. They set up storylines that are Mm -hmm. going to be, or that are in like the next three books. Like she fully set that episode up for success. Yeah. In my mind. So the opening scene of Journey Cake starts with Jamie asking Claire what, what's in the bags? Oh yeah. She explains it's peanuts. Mm -hmm. He's like, is it for medicine? Or are you planning on feeding the pigs? Like what's going on here? He's and so she was, cute. Yeah. And she was like, no, I'll just be damned if my grandkid never has PB and J that spoke to my soul so much. I was like, if there's anything we knew growing up as kids, PB and J was like mm-hmm. the ultimate thing that you could either, you know, make or break trading at the lunch table at school. Yeah. Like if somebody didn't like their bologna sandwich, you're like, I've got a PB and J I'll take that chocolate pudding. 
Let's do yeah. tradesies. Yeah. <laughs> That's so You funny. did not realize the great bargaining chip you had was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich until you made that, you sealed that deal. Yeah. So when he, and a little history on the PB&J. So let alone sandwiches in general, the Earl of Sandwich created the sandwich 10 years prior. There's an Earl of Sandwich? Yes. It's not just a sandwich I, shop. I know that there's like a, that or an Earl of the chain downtown Disney. Yes. That there is history. It's all oh over my the gosh. wall. This is hilarious. Okay. So the Earl of Sandwich, the story of the Earl of Sandwich is he was in an intense game of cards and did not want to leave the table to go sit in a proper dining area to eat. So he had one of his servants. He's like, just bring me two pieces of bread, roast beef in the middle. What? And that's how the first sandwich was invented. The and first he named sandwich it, was a roast beef sandwich. Yeah. And he called it a sandwich. Yeah. So yes. the Earl of Sandwich. Yeah. That and is- the Earl of Sandwich. I dubbed this the sandwich. Wow. Uh, the things you learned. That is very exciting. I love what history. Outlander taught us today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. So the sandwich, the first sandwich was made 10 years prior to when Claire was telling Jamie about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Wow. So he was okay. like, I'm sure like there was like, go on about this sandwich. So in the end part of the episode, you see how like, He's eating it with a fork and he's so confused. <laughs> he's so he's like, cute with the stuff I know. he doesn't know. Right. So that being said, were there even tea sandwiches? There weren't any tea sandwiches till a certain time. Like what did they so. what did English I have no idea? Eat with tea. Crumpets. I don't know. Okay, I guess super British crumpets, things. I got biscuits. it. Biscuits. Yeah. Who knows? But not sandwiches. And that's when we see the gruesome, like leading after that conversation, that's what leads up to the gruesome scene of the Dutch family. Yeah. You immediately lose your appetite. Like, yeah. Oh, peanut butter and jelly. Just kidding. Yeah. Nope. But I have had PB and J while watching Outlander. <laughs> I have no regrets. No regrets. Until, yeah. Until recently when I found out I had an adult allergy to peanuts. So I know I'm so sad for you. I know it's, I've made it past this point in life where I know, the you know, it's better to have loved than to, <laughs> to loved and lost to have never loved at all. Exactly. Yes. That is a good way to look at it. You yes. have definitely loved and lost. After they come across the Dutch family, mm-hmm. they immediately go to the homestead of the big house where you see this beautiful memory of Brianna and Claire shucking peanut shells. Yeah. And Claire sharing like do you remember peanut butter and jelly was like the last meal you gave me so to like set me on my travels yeah and I was like oh right in the feels and they go back to that scene and you see the saran wrap just float down the streets of Edinburgh yeah in the opening credits in the opening oh yeah it's in the opening credits yeah yeah that's right not even a minute later they realize Jemmy can hear the stones mm-hmm. and they come across like which sets up multiple storylines going into future books yeah. So you're like, oh, this is a game changer. I committed to you that I would go through the stones if if we knew Jemmy would could hear. Yeah. Guess what's gonna happen, folks? <laughs> this also sets up the storyline for they explained it with him holding the stone and like it being hot and it was very like clear and understandable and unmistakable in that way. Cause in the books. I believe that it was so Roger and Jemmy both had like a birthmark on their head that was the same that was hereditary because I believe that he Jimmy had to like shave his head because he had like lice or something right mm-hmm. 
and then Roger did too, or he shaved his head too. And then you could see that marking and then that's how they knew, but you know, that's a really long and drawn out. That would have been, and that was, wasn't until the sixth season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, cause I want to say they announced that in the book, it's in book four that they mentioned the stone that Jemmy can hear the stone in book four drums of autumn. They, um, Jemmy's playing with the opal at like mm-hmm. seven or eight months old. Yeah. Roger had returned and he was getting, Claire was working on his feet because Roger got pretty banged up and yeah. he was without shoes. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. So in that process, Jemmy was playing with the stone and it cracked open mm-hmm. and he could, he said hot. Yeah. And he motioned like, ah, oh, it's hot. That's how they tested it with everybody. They're like, oh, it is hot. And Claire, Claire's it's like, yeah, that's hot. And then that's when Jamie said, no, it's cold. What are you talking about? Yeah. So the transition from the PB and J scene to everybody testing out how hot it is and mm-hmm. J- Jemmy being able to communicate like, no, it's hot. And at a older age too, I thought that was yeah. smart on their part. Yeah. And they're kind of killing two birds with one stone, no mm-hmm. pun intended, where it's like, oh, this is probably Roger's child and he can travel. So it's like doing both of those things. Exactly. In one Santa Gabaldon wrote that in a very smart way, but of course she did because she's God in the story. So, yeah. And then I thought they did a really good job illustrating how Ian finally got the courage to ask questions. And he was like, no, you're yeah. going to give me answers. Like I've let everything lie for as long as I could. I have questions. Please give me answers. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Like, Auntie Claire, you are a fatty. Yeah. Right. And I mean, they finally gave him the answers he was looking for, but I mean, I don't think he fully comprehended what he signed up for and getting that truth. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. Know? He kind of had to, you know, toss that around his head for a little bit. So, and I think he needed to see it to, to fully comprehend it. Cause when he yeah. was asking, like, could you send me back in time? And, and when they explained to him, it doesn't work that way how you can't choose the time you go back to. You can't yeah. just go and rewind, you know, and only certain people can go through it. You didn't, you felt a cold stone. You did not feel a hot stone when Jemmy touched it. So you don't carry the gene to go through the stones. You can try all you want. It's not going to work, <laughs> you know? And he got yeah. really frustrated, but they gave him the truth that he, he wanted. But I also liked how it was, Subtle, for, like subtle foreshadowing with otter tooth. Yeah. Like again, setting up another storyline that hasn't been completed yet in regards to Jamie and Claire's obituary mm-hmm. on how they, you know, are supposedly supposed to die. It's a very small Easter egg that only book readers know. Yeah. So when you're watching the show and you haven't taken the time to read the books, you're like, it'll, it'll click once you see it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, do yourself solid, read the books and catch on to these little nuances. There's also a very highly anticipated love scene between Jamie and Claire <laughs> that only book readers know. The window. Yes. And I mean, I think Diana Gabaldon made a very good argument in writing this episode. Like, no, no, no. I, cause what was it? Episode six of season six, where they're it's Jamie and Claire in the stable. Oh yeah. And it just was not written. It well. did. Yeah. And mm. in the book, it translates so differently to yeah. being a, a much better scene. And on the silver screen, it, it didn't translate. 
nope. for whatever reason. Mm-mm. And so I think she was like, let me write this one. This is a yeah. very highly anticipated scene with book readers. Let me do it. It's fine. I'll make it work. I promise. And she did. The following morning, Jamie gets this hilarious uh, science lesson on <laughs> where right. babies come from. Yeah. So, and what seed looks like, he gets to use a microscope, uh, learns all the things. He's like, they're strong with their tails or wiggling and striving. And she's like, yep, it's your sperm. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, how'd you get them? <laughs> Just- I was in, I found myself in custody of them this morning. She <laughs> yeah. Says. And it's just very witty, very clever. And that's exactly how it went in the book. Yeah. Those scenes in the books in the later books of their interactions as husband and wife are some of my favorite things. Same. Yes. And just that connection that they have, that's kind of where you feel at home and he's so responsive to her. And I love that. And he like, you know, when he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like, he apologizes for falling asleep without having touched her. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Jamie, we see, see that season one, episode one, we knew that that is husband material, that plaid you're wearing (laughs) husband material. And this is why, because when we're going through menopause, you know, in the middle of the forest in our cabin, you're going to, you know, you're going to do some nice service for us. And Mm -hmm. we can just see that now. Agreed. I mean, there's subtle foreshadowing for the season five finale as well. Yeah, with the Browns and it's mm-hmm. just building. Oh, and then when he sees Dr. Rawlings and her medicine. Yes. Box, when she's like, you know, putting the splint on his wife's mm-hmm. broken wrist and you're like, oh, shoot. Stuff's going to go down. Right. And again, that's not what went down in the book, but it was a very seamless transition. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, they're having, there has to be a transition from this season to the next and the way that they set it up gets me excited because there's going to be a lot of unexpected things of the way that they're arranging it. Right. Um, and the timing of everything. It was interesting. There were, oh, there were so many goodbyes That's in this, was... so many heartfelt goodbyes and you get to see what everyone means to each other. Mm-hmm in this episode and at that part where Claire and Brianna see each other after that long day and they just like, you know, embrace and she's like, mama. And it's just, just to see how far their relationship has come. And as I was watch rewatching that episode, I'm remembering, you know, back to season three, when things were difficult between them. Right. When Claire was like a workaholic at the hospital and they didn't spend a lot of time together and I remember them walking down those steps and Claire's like, I'm going to take some time off. Let's go to Scotland. And Brianna's like, really? Like, you're going to do that and just see how close they've come. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that is, it's just such a beautiful moment and such a heartfelt moment. It is. It is. Absolutely. Although the goodbyes were short-lived because they mm-hmm. do come back. <laughs> yeah. At the very end, there's just this really nostalgic homage to the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how it brings them together. Yeah. I was like, I want a, a, a mother daughter bond with, you know, my mom over PB and J. Yeah. Versus like just knowing it was something she could make quickly and send me out the door to school with, you know? Yeah. As of now, I will forever dub PB and J's as journey cake for it's the last meal our Lord Savior Claire Elizabeth Beach and Randall Frazier took with her through the stones to find her beloved Jamie. Amen. 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 Glory be.
<laughs> so, okay. So my close second, uh, yes. my close seconds are tied to the wedding episode and a Malcolm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Those were again, like neck and neck for me too. I was just like, oh, but why? It's not just like highly anticipated episodes. It's what made me love it. And I had just had more for the other for journey cake than anything. Yeah. I was doing pros and con lists. I was like, ah, nope. Journey cake has this much. Okay. It alludes to so much more. I got to go with journey cake on this, but I, I absolutely loved uh, the wedding and a Malcolm. I think our favorite episodes are episodes that like really moved us yes. in a way that was like a changing moment. Mm-hmm. And then the wedding and a Malcolm, it's like, you know, something's coming yes. and it's obviously so good. And you just, you just digest it and you're like, Oh, mm, Jamie, this is, I mean, there's so many good parts about it, but I think, you know, making that impact on a viewer. I think that's why we chose the episodes that we chose because that was the biggest impact. And not that we weren't impacted by the other ones. Those were just pure like joy and like feast for the eyes, but right. You know, Diana Gabaldon, her writing in these books, like you enjoy the sex scenes, obviously, and you indulge and you're just like, Oh man, that was hot. Mm -hmm. And there's these moments where she just gets down to your very soul. She knows how to, to, how to squeeze your heart just a little bit. And those moments just really move you. You know, I just think of the opening line of Sassanac and she says, people disappear all the time. And I'm like thinking to myself, they do, don't they? And you find yourself like asking right. questions of yourself that, yeah, yeah. that you wouldn't normally think about. I mean, when you get to the wedding episode, you know what you're going to get. You're right. going to get a whole lot of Jamie naked. And then you know, same with a Malcolm and we're like, we live for these moments, but I think it's those moving moments where we, we just, we cling on to those for whatever reason, you know, with you, it's like peanut butter and jelly is just a super, like has this special place in your heart. I fell in love with the show in the first episode. And I think that's why it'll always just be so impactful. It'll always be my favorite bar listeners you got to comment and tag us and tell us what your favorite episode of Outlander is and why, because we want to dish and spill the tea all about that too. We love Outlander fans because we're such big fans. And so for other people who love it as much as we do, we're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And we want to get into it with you. So like comment, share, tell us what your favorite episodes are. And now it is time for the fangirl spotlight of the week. And this week it goes to magic final crafts. Magic Final Crafts is a Southern California-based small business that offers everything from nerdy masks to sweet wedding items to unique home decor that fits any style. Cassandra, the owner, started Magic Final Crafts last year and has had so much fun working with different people around the U.S., making custom orders for anything they can think of. Let's make some magic together. You can find Magic Final Crafts on Instagram as one word, at Magic Final Crafts, Facebook as three separate words, Magic Final Crafts, She's also on TikTok and Etsy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all the latest episodes. We want to answer your burning questions. So give us a follow on Instagram at the Fangirls Podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you you next time. We here at the Fangirls Podcast, LLC, are not affiliated with the following. Stars, 
Outlander stars, or Diana Gavaldon. We love you, Outlander, so, so, so very much. So much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.